Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. So I am so excited again this morning to uh, continue our Uncommon series, right? We've, we've, we've pretty much, I guess, a month into this now, and uh, we're going to have probably one or two more to round this out, and then we're going to move into our Christmas theme. Is that cool? But we've been on this theme uh, called Uncommon, and it's been all around the subject of holiness. Everybody say holiness. A subject that is so often misunderstood, and therefore it's either mistaught or just not taught about very much at all, right? But holiness is a very important subject for the Bible says that without holiness, no one can see God. I don't know about you, but I want to see God. I want to see God not only in eternity, but I want to see him in my life today and moving in my life and family and in our church. And without holiness, that is impossible. And so we're going to continue that today. Last Sunday was awesome. Last Sunday was great. Liz and I and our family, we were out in New Mexico. We, we enjoyed a wonderful time um, with our sending church, Heart for the World. It was a special homecoming weekend and it was just a wonderful time. And those of you that were here got the treat of hearing Pastor RJ give us a very challenging and inspiring word, right? Um, to summarize what he taught, small steps of obedience result in a big harvest of holiness, right? It's all about the next step. It's not about the mountain. It's more about the seed, right? If you weren't here last Sunday or you haven't listened to it yet, I really encourage you, listen to it. Of course, you can uh, always watch um, Facebook Live, our service, so you can go back and look at that. But how many of you knew in uh, Encounter Church, we actually actually have an official podcast, right? So if you get out your phone or your device or whatever and go to the podcast app, just look up Encounter Church Atlanta, and we have an official podcast. So all that to say, go back and listen to last Sunday uh, if you weren't here for that. Now, in just a few minutes, I'm going to finish the message I started two weeks ago. Who was here two weeks ago, two Sundays ago? Come on, somebody say CBO. We had a very interesting topic two weeks ago, and I, I attempted to cover it all in one Sunday, but we ran out of time. And what is CBO? C, circumcision. B, blood. And O, oil. All right. So... We, we ran out of time to be able to finish that message, so I'm going to finish it today. Are you guys ready for that? But first, let's review, and then something new. 2 Timothy 1.9 and first, uh, P, sorry, yeah, 1 Peter 1.16 have been our theme verses. Even we could call them our memory verses that by now probably some of you have already memorized these verses, and by the time we finish up in the next couple of weeks, you will have memorized them. I'm not going to make you stand up today, but let's read it together. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. You guys are so good at that. From this verse, we have learned and are continuing to learn that holiness is God's call for every saved person. Holiness is not just for a few chosen people. Holiness is not just for the best of the best. 
Holiness is God's, you say, what's God's call on my life? Well, God's call is big and multifaceted. First of all, he saved us, right? He saved us, but also he called each and every one of us that are saved to live a holy life. And we learn from this verse also that not only salvation, but holiness is also a part of, it's a part of grace, right? It's our call, and it's also a part of grace. It's by his grace that he saves us, but it's also by his grace that he calls us and empowers us to live a life of holiness. Can I get an amen on that one? I hope so, because we've been already a month into this, right? 1 Peter 1.16, this is a little shorter one. I'm sure you got this one memorized, but let's read it together. For the scriptures say... You must be holy because I am holy. I want to read that again, and I want you to read it with that emphasis on those syllables, all right? All right? For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy, right? And we learn from this scripture that holiness is based upon... I, yeah, don't, don't, don't be shy. Holiness is first based on... Identity, we learn that holiness, before we can ever apply it to our behavior, we first have to apply it to our identity. In other words, there's no way I could ever live a holy life if I don't first identify as a child of the holy God, right? It's, all, it's not so much about what you do, it's about who you belong to, right? And if I know to whom I belong and that he is holy, I'll be able to live a holy life because I'm his, all right? Now, we've talked quite a bit about what holiness is and what holiness ain't. Hey, Mitchell Christina, welcome. Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. All right. Sorry about that. We've talked about what holiness, a lot about what holiness is and what holiness is not, right? Now, I've given you quite a lot of verses on that, but man, this week I really found this verse that really just spoke to me, and I kind of think it sort of encapsulates this whole idea of uncommon. You want a new verse today? This helps us understand what holiness actually is, and it's from Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 21 through 23. You don't have to read this one together. Here we go. The priests must not drink wine before entering the inner courtyard. They may choose their wives only from among the virgins of Israel or the widows of the priests. They may not marry other widows or divorced women. And some of you are going, whoa, 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 whoa. They will teach my people the difference between what is holy and what is common. What is ceremonially clean and unclean. Everybody say difference. Holy, common. And again, a month into this, this is taking on a whole lot of, of meaning, this whole idea that holy or holiness has everything to do with being uncommon, right? Uncommon. It, it, it says in this case, and this is the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, now in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, who's a priest? If you are in Christ, everybody, right? All of us who are in Christ, the Bible says we're a holy priesthood. 
So the call to holiness in the Old Testament was mostly shown through the, the, the priests, the leaders, right? But in the New Testament, we're all, we all have a relationship with God. We're all priests unto him. And every one of us with our life can show the world the difference between what is holy and common. See, the opposite of common is uncommon. So holiness is, it means different. It means special. It means peculiar. It means set apart. It means not like everybody and everything else, right? Holiness means marked. And literally what holiness, the the epitome of what holiness is, it means to be like God, right? What's another word we use for that, to be like God? Godly, right? Holiness in its essence means to be like God because only God is truly, perfectly holy, right? But holy means, if I'm living a holy life, it means I don't live like everybody else. I don't look like everybody else. I don't talk like everybody else. I don't act like everybody else. I don't behave like everybody else. I don't think like everybody else. I don't talk like everybody else. I don't look what every at what everybody else looks at. I don't listen to what everybody else listens to. I don't relate to people the way that everybody else relates to people, right? It's, if, if, I, if holiness means uncommon, it means different. It means this is common. This is the way everybody else does it. This is the way the world goes, right? And when people look at my life, and first of all, when God looks at my life, right? But it will be noticeable on the outside that I'm not like everybody else. Holy means uncommon. Come on, say uncommon. Now, when you think if holiness means that I look like God, I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me go, (laughs) I'm not there yet, are you? And we've been learning that holiness does not mean absolute perfection now, right? It's not current perfection. What it means, the, the, the pursuit of holiness is a process by which I become more and more and more and more like Jesus. Now, there's a Bible word for that process, and we call it sanctification, right? Sanctification is the process by which, yes, when I come to Jesus and I'm washed in his precious blood, my sins are forgiven, I'm born again, and before God, I stand in righteousness and holiness before him. He sees Jesus' righteousness. He sees Jesus' holiness in me and on me, right? But I have to live my life in a way that reflects that. But how many of you know it don't happen from one night to the next morning? I don't know about you, but when I got born again one night, the next morning I was not living in perfect holiness. Come on, somebody. Maybe some of you were. But you know, I've heard it described like this. That, that, you know, we use, we use words interchangeably a lot of times, but they're not always exactly the same. And the word righteous and holy or righteousness and holiness are very similar and they go together. In fact, without, without one, you can't have the other. But they do mean something a little bit different, okay? I'm wearing... A wedding band, right? Everybody said this is righteousness. Because righteousness has everything to do with standing. It has everything to do with relationship. The day that Liz and I said I do, we got married, we put on our wedding bands, and the wedding band literally 
signifies that I am in right standing with her, right? That I am in relationship with her, that I am married to her and only her. I am her one and only husband. She's my one and only wife. Righteousness. And the day we're born again, the day we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord, our sins are forgiven, and we come into perfect, absolute right standing with God. We are righteous. But holiness is to live my life, the rest of my life, faithful to only this lady right here. See, righteousness means I'm in relationship with her, but how many of you know that if I go out and I'm not faithful to her, the relationship might be slightly um, detrimented. (laughs) Righteousness is the relationship. It's the wedding band. Holiness is the life of faithfulness to God. And again, again, let's just all say, I'm not there yet, but I'm going. Holiness is a process by which we become more and more and more and more and more, not less and less somebody. Come on now. I know some Christians that are like, I got radically born again. And you look at them 10 years later and they're like, and it's like, whoa. Rather than looking more like Jesus, you look more like the world now than you did when you first got saved. Oh, but it was my first love. That's why I was so crazy. Uh, 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 I don't know about you, but the more I get to know him, the more he's my first love. Don't, don't, don't buy that nonsense if it was my first love. That's why I was so radical. If he was your first love then, he should be your first, 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 first love now. And if you were radical then, you should be extra, super, mega, big radical now. We're not called to decrease in holiness. We're called to increase and grow in holiness. Sanctification to become more and more and more uncommon. Amen? All right. Now, you ready for some more circumcision blood and oil? Why are y'all laughing? We learned that a lot of what we see in the Old Testament was if you will, imperfect symbolism of what would be perfectly fulfilled in Jesus, right? What we see in the Old Testament, a lot of it is just foreshadowing what Jesus would come and accomplish. And so a lot of times when we're reading the Old Testament, we have to be careful. Yes, it is very literal, but there's also in the midst of all the literal, there's some very symbolic, important things that we must understand. And I started talking to you about three symbols that help us understand holiness in the Old Testament. There were circumcision, blood, and oil. We talked about circumcision, right? And, and, and I said I thought that was kind of one, maybe the strangest idea God ever had. But the way to show that the people of Israel were different was the covenant of circumcision because circumcision was a permanent distinguishing alteration that made the people of Israel, specifically the men of Israel, look different than anybody else, right? Okay, and you read in the Old Testament, especially if you read the the, the old King James, it talks about the uncircumcised and the circumcised, right? Those that were the common people, everybody else in the world, and Israel, they were marked, they were different. There was something about them that was different, even physically. We learned last, uh, two weeks ago, That circumcision represents for us in the new covenant that we are permanently, irreversibly, we talked about, right? Circumcision, it's not like it grows back, right? 
Come on, everybody. It's okay to chuckle a little bit in church. It's not like circumcision is not like chopping grows back, right? You know, it's not like if you cut your arm and it, you know, no, no, no. Okay. It's permanent and it's irreversible. It never goes back. And this signifies how our life, when we come to Jesus, we are marked, we are cut, we are altered, we are changed by the cross. And we never, ever, ever go back to the old life that we used to live. We are forever made different and uncommon. It signifies the new birth. It signifies having our heart of stone, a hard heart, changed for a heart of flesh, a soft heart, right? That was circumcision. Aren't you glad? That was an Old Testament covenant. Come on, somebody. All right. Then we learned about blood and oil. We, we, we talked about how blood in the Old Testament and oil was used for many things and the sacrifices and all the cleansing and all that. Specifically, we read a story about how someone who had leprosy could be cleansed and then made acceptable for worship again, right? Okay. Leprosy represents sin in the Old Testament. And so we learned um, how the blood that had to be the blood of a sacrifice to kind of cover the guilt, right? Cover the shame. So it cleansed leprosy and, it's, and it was like, people, it, it wasn't so much that sin was removed, but it was covered up, right? It was covered up. And it made someone unclean, clean. Now, we learned that the blood of Jesus in the new covenant has cleansed us and set us free from the power of sin. Not The blood of Jesus doesn't just cover our sins. The blood of Jesus erases our sins. The blood of Jesus doesn't just come and cover up our shame. The blood of Jesus takes the shame away. And we learned that in the new covenant... We're made holy by Jesus' holiness. He, by, by the power of his blood, he, parts, he imparts his holiness into us. It's not our holiness. It's his holiness by the blood of Jesus. And we started learning about the oil, right? And there was a special word that we read a lot in, in, in the scriptures, and it was the anointing. Everybody say anointing. Anointing is a word that kind of gets thrown around a lot and misused but to anoint literally means to smear, right, with oil. Or in some cases, they would literally pour out, like, the oil on a person, right? The anointing, the oil. And in, are y'all good? In the Old Testament, the anointing oil, after someone had been cleansed by the blood, they used the oil, they would anoint the priest and all the articles in the sanctuary and the temple and all that. And when they were anointed with oil, it meant they now were set apart. They now were uncommon. Come on. And now they were, again, acceptable for worship. Their worship would be accepted because of the anointing, right? And this in the new covenant means we are marked and empowered we're marked with the oil. We're, the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in us and upon us, right? And we are marked with him, his presence. And by his very presence, we are empowered to live this uncommon holy life. Come on, just say it with me. The anointing makes me holy. I love how it's like the blood 
makes you no longer unholy. Are y'all with me? The blood makes you no longer common. The blood makes you no longer unclean. But the oil, it's not just, well, I'm no longer unholy. I'm no longer common. I'm no longer uh, unclean. I'm not just clean. I'm not just free from all the guilt and all the shame. But I am now marked by holiness. The oil of the anointing represents the Holy Spirit in our life. And so in Christ, if you are in Christ, and today, if you're here today and you are not in Christ, if you have not made the decision to follow Jesus, today is your day to make that decision. Because when you come to Christ, you're marked, you're clean, and you are empowered to live a holy life. That is the power of grace in our life. Now, that's the review of what we learned, plus a little bit more. Now, let's just finish up the oil part, because we covered pretty good circumcision and blood, and we started with oil. And today, since we ran out of time, we're going to finish up the oil and um, the anointing. And uh, for this, I don't want to just kind of finish up what I had prepared for you two weeks ago. I developed it a tiny bit more, and I gave it a new topic. Is that all right? Or a new title. And the title of today's message is Fullness Produces Fruit. Fullness produces fruit. If you listen to everything I'm about to say in about in the next 20 minutes, if all you take home with you is fullness produces fruit, you will have got it. Fullness produces fruit. Now, it's the anointing that makes us holy. It's the anointing a.k.a. the Holy Spirit in our life, the anointing, right, that makes the common become uncommon. So, and again, in the Old Testament, they would take ordinary, common, natural animal skins, silver, bronze, gold, wood planks, cloths, etc., etc., and people... <laughs> And when they applied the anointing oil to that, what was common, what was just simply an animal skin or some gold or a wood plank or a dude that was just a common thing or person, because of the oil, they were immediately uncommon. Literally, it says, if anybody touches this, they'll become holy. Wow. There, listen, you cannot touch the Holy Spirit and not start becoming holy. If all your Holy Spirit does is make you shout and scream and run and speak in tongues, you better be careful. Because he does all of that. At least the speaking in tongues part. I don't know if you're going to shout and run and scream, but sometimes that happens. If all the Holy Spirit does is give you chills... It might have been the air conditioner too low. He's not just the spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. So when I come into contact with him, he's going to transmit his holiness into me and upon me. Now, I'm the one that decides what to do with that. And so are you. But the results of the Holy Spirit on me and in me 
will be holiness because he is holy. I don't know about you, but it just makes me happy that God doesn't look for somebody holy and then give them the Holy Spirit. It makes me happy that God's not like, okay, I got my oil. Let me find somebody holy. No, no, no. God's like, everybody's coming. Let me give them the oil. And that makes them uncommon. See, the Holy Spirit isn't just, he doesn't come into holy people. The Holy Spirit comes into unholy people and unholy people become holy people. I'm so glad I don't have to do it on my own. That's called religion and it doesn't work. If you're trying to live a holy life on your own by your own strength, just trying to just obey all the rules. Anybody ever tried? Don't raise your hand. It don't work. It doesn't work. Sure enough, don't. We, we like sped read these verses two weeks ago, but let's read through them one more time. Romans 15, 16. If this don't make you shout, I don't know what will. As I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles, I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. Made holy. I wasn't holy until he came. Holiness was impossible until he came. But when he came, holiness became possible. I can be made holy by the Holy Spirit. Not by my striving. Not by my effort. Not by my strong will. We will have to strive. We will have to put some effort into it. And the Holy Spirit will give you a strong will. Absolutely. But that is not what achieves holiness. It's the Holy Spirit that brings holiness to our life. 1 Peter 1, 2, for uh, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you've obeyed Him and been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Anybody need more and more grace and peace so that, that we can continue to live a life of holiness? And finally, uh, 1 John 2.20, I love the amplified uh, version I love to read the Bible in the Amplified because the Amplified explains the Greek in brackets. All right? Anybody ever read the, the Amplified? Okay, the Bible was written in, in, well, the New Testament in Greek, right? And we just read English translations of it. But the Amplified version puts in parentheses and brackets the Greek definitions of the word. So let's read 1 John uh, 2.20. But you have an anointing. I thought anointing was just an Old Testament thing. First John, that's almost the end of the Bible, y'all. <laughs> okay? We're getting close to Revelation here. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you. you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Look what, that, look what that means in Greek. You've been set apart, specially gifted, and prepared by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Woo. And all of you know the truth because he teaches. Everybody say, teaches teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. All of that happens because of the anointing. I don't know about those charismatic Pentecostal churches and all they talk about the anointing. I don't know about that anointing business because all you've ever thought of the anointing was shaking and falling. And, and look, we shake and we fall sometimes. But that's not, that's not all the anointing is. The anointing, the anointing, specially, it, it sets us apart, specially gifts and prepares us. 
and teaches us, illuminates our minds and guards us from error. Come on, somebody say, I need the anointing. <sighs> from these scriptures, we can see so clearly that what holiness really amounts to is God himself making me like himself. Holiness really is the holy God making you like him. And how does he do it? He does it by the Holy Spirit. But very important. I think I may have said this already, but I'm going to say it again. He's making me holy, but I have to be holy. There is a part that I play in it, a pretty big one, actually. Uh, okay, let, let, let me explain that a little bit more. What was the scripture? 1 Peter 1.16 does not say, it does not say, you are holy as I am holy. What does it say? How about we go, can we go back? I'm, I'm sorry, can we go all the way back to the top? 1 Peter 1.16. It does not say, you are holy because I am holy. It says, you must be holy because I'm holy. We have a part to play in this. We have decisions to make. We have steps to take. We have seeds to sow. We have a life to live. We have to want it. We have to go after it. We have to pursue it. It doesn't just come supernaturally. Now it is supernaturally because it comes by the Holy Spirit, but we have to be what God is making us to be. You can go to Kennesaw State and be becoming a nurse and then never be it because you don't do what it takes to be you don't do, take the test and right does that work becca no doesn't work it's not just that well god is doing his work in me yes he is but what are you doing what am i doing i gotta be who he's making me to be Oh, I'm almost out of time already. Oh, this is just too much fun. Now, let me go back and say this. Holiness is not simply an issue of an iron will, right? Because that's what some people, holiness, I'm strong and I can, I can do this. I can be like Jesus. I can obey all the rules. I can say no to sin. And now listen, now, now self-control is essential. I mean, self-control in fact, one of the things we're going to see in here in just a second that holiness looks like is self-control. The ability to say yes and no to myself. But have you know, how many of you know that holiness doesn't just amount to that? It's not just I'm, 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 I'm strong, right? Holiness is more, of an, uh, more an issue of fullness of the Holy Spirit. Come, let me just say it like this. If I'm full of holy, I'm going to be holy. If I'm full of the Holy Spirit, I'll be able to live a holy life, right? So maybe this is an easier way to put it. It's less about being strong and it's more about being full. A life of holiness is less about being strong and it's more about being full. Again, according to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit shares his holiness with us puts his holiness in us and pours his holiness out on us. All that to say, fullness produces fruit. 
the fullness of the Holy Spirit will produce, without the shadow of a doubt, the fullness of the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't be full of something and it not show. If you fill yourself with french fries every day, it's going to show. <laughs> Finally got y'all to laugh at something. <sighs> you can't fill yourself with coffee or, or um, surge. Lord, that's old. I'm sorry. That doesn't even exist anymore, does it? Red Bull. You can't fill yourself with Red Bull and not show it. You know? And no, I don't drink it. I'm just like this, naturally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come on, let's just say it. Fullness produces fruit. Let's say it loud. Fullness produces fruit. What you're full of is going to show. Now, what in the world does holiness look like then? Because holiness doesn't look like what most people think. Holiness has gotten such a bad rap. So many people think holiness means certain wearing certain kind of clothes and uh, talking a certain way or being real solemn or serious or perfect even though you're not or just acting like it or better than somebody else or, you know, haughty or I live like this and you commoners live down here like that, right? And so many people think holiness is just some exterior thing. But in reality, holiness doesn't look like that. Then what does it look like? Who was the only absolutely and perfectly holy one? Jesus. And why was he holy? It's not because he was born of the Virgin Mary. That helped a little. <laughs> but he was about the age of 30. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And everything we, everything we see Jesus do is the result of being, him being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Fullness produces fruit. So what does this holiness fruit look like? It's pretty simple. There's a scripture we're about to read, and we're going to read the, the, the amplified Greek bracket parenthesis version. Cool? Oh, because you're going you're to love this. The Holy Spirit's holy, so the... So holiness looks like the Holy Spirit. Holiness looks like the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it looks like. Did, did, did you get that? Holiness looks like the fruit of the Spirit, what the Bible calls the fruit or the results of the Holy Spirit, right? Let's read it. It's Galatians uh, 5.16, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk. When I pause, I want you to say the word loud because that means they're really important words. Cool? But I say, walk habitually, habitually. Hmm. in the Holy Spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. Some of us seek him, but we don't respond. All right. And then, and then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard, regard to God and his precepts. Stop waiting on your flesh to want to be holy. It ain't going to happen. It's it just not going to happen. Okay? Only if you habitually seek and respond to the Holy Spirit, then you won't act like what we're about to read. For the sinful nature has its desires, which is opposed to the Spirit. 
and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. These, for these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. Or is there anybody that just always does the right thing? We can grow in that. But this is, this is the really, this is the, the, the good news part of it, all right? But if you're guided and led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. The law. Do this, do that, or else, right? Okay? Now, the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, which means total irresponsibility or lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I mean, how many of you could list a bunch of other ones in that list, right? You get the picture? Common. Common. Just look around you. Some of you, just look at your life and repent today. But if you're like, I don't live like, just look around you. You don't even need to turn on the TV to find this out. That's just common. That's just the way we all live without Jesus, right? And many, many more things we could add to the list. I warned you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I thought everybody go to heaven. Not according to the Bible. But, but, in other words, we're not like that, <laughs> right? But the fruit of the Spirit, which means the results of His presence within us. Come on, say the anointing. The anointing. The result of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is love, which means unselfish concern for others. Joy, inner peace, because how many of you know it isn't always peaceful on the outside, but we can have peace on the inside? Patience, this is my favorite one. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Because most people think patience is the ability to wait. You don't need an ability to wait. Sometimes you just have to wait. There's no ability in waiting. You just wait. Has your flight ever been delayed and you had to wait for it? That was not patience. That was the opportunity to act with patience while you waited. Oh, Jesus, help us. Next time you have to wait, don't say, I'm just having patience right now. Let's see if you're having patience. <laughs> Kindness, goodness. So kindness is how we act towards people. Goodness is on the inside, right? Faithfulness, gentleness. And then we have self-control, which we've been talking about, right? Because the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to say yes and no to yourself, to control yourself, right? Against such things, there's no law. <laughs> like if you live like that, there's, there, there's no law, right? Against against that kind of life. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature 
together with its passions and appetites. If we claim, here we're going to end it right here. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. That right there is holiness in a nutshell. That's what it looks like. If your holiness is solemn and stuffy, you might need some joy. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is like. If your holiness is out of control, you might need some self-control. Apply it to the other seven. There are nine of them, okay? What, what What does holiness look like? That's what it looks like. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what a holy life looks like because that is the result of the Holy Spirit in us empowering our conduct. That is holiness. Now, all of this is the result of what we just read, I think, in 1 John. It says we've all, we all have the anointing of the Holy One that teaches us all these things, Right? Because I don't know about you, but I need to be taught how to to live like that. It doesn't just, woo, now I got it, right? The holiness, the the, the anointing, the Holy Spirit's presence in us, come on, say the oil, teaches us all of this and empowers us to live like this. And we need the anointing. Fullness produces fruit. So if I'm, if I'm not living my life full of the Holy Spirit, my fruit isn't going to sh- look like what we just read, right? The results. I, uh, I'm nearing the end right here. We're about to close. But I just wanted to say it like this, kind of summarizing all of that. Submitting to the presence, power, and leading of the Holy Spirit. Actually, let's stop and play Jeopardy. I'm probably not going to do this right because I was never going to get Jeopardy. But. Okay, let's play backwards Jeopardy because I don't know how to do Jeopardy. All right. <laughs> what is the main distinguishing factor? The one main, it's not the only one, but the main distinguishing factor between somebody who lives a, an unholy life and a holy life. There's really one main distinguishing factor. Fullness of the Holy Spirit. Literally, there's, there's, you can look at someone's life. I know I can see it in my own life. When I'm living full of the Holy Spirit, it's not I'm saying that holiness is easy, but it just, it's the result. If I'm not getting filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit more and more and more, my fruit's going to suffer. How about yours? The the main distinguishing factor between someone who is living a holy life and someone who is not living a holy life is are they full of the Spirit? Not did they one time get full of the Spirit. Are you full of the Holy Spirit today? And what we just read there in, 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 what was it, Ephesians? (laughs) Galatians 5, is it said, habitually right in other words this isn't just something we do every once in a while it must be our habit we could call it the holiness habit 
What is the holiness habit? To live my life every day seeking, receiving, submitting, and responding to the Holy Spirit in my life. If I make a habit of living that way, holiness will be the result. A holy life will be the result. And he's holy. So if I submit to him and follow him, I'll live holy. Right? Come on, let's say it one more time. Fullness. Fullness produces fruit. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us more and more every day. Listen, I, I was... I had an amazing encounter with Jesus. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was a teenager. But I don't look back at that. I look back at that experience as an amazing moment of my life that changed me and marked me forever. I got the oil, right? <laughs> but if I were only relying on that one experience 22, three years ago, My fruit would be quite suffering right now. <laughs> I've had encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter with the Holy Spirit. And listen, I don't mean an encounter retreat or some, you know, like special service where you, woo, you know, extra special. Those are good and those are great. And we have those, right? We have those moments where you feel the anointing and all that. That's good. But an every single day Looking to him, seeking him, if you will, praying in the spirit a lot. Just looking to the Holy Spirit, asking him, fill me today, fill me today, fill me today, fill me today. Just even being quiet, silent, calm. If you can, if you, even if you can't believe it, I can do that. In his presence and just listening, sensing, breathing in his presence. Worshiping Jesus. I've been filled and refilled and refilled and re and, and you know what? The fullness that I experienced today is way bigger and better than the fullness I experienced the first time I ever was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's supposed to grow. And as your fullness grows and increases, as you continue to experience the fullness and then the fullness and then the full fullness well then we're going to have the fruit and the fruit and the fruit because fullness produces fruit in fact there's one final scripture i'm, I'm going to read and and have you see here um because some people don't understand this some people think yeah i've been filled with the holy spirit i got baptized in the holy spirit without understanding that this is a continuous experience there is a verse, there are many verses, right, that, re that refer to this, but a very specific verse that is written in, all right, let's put our grammar hats back on. Ready for high school language arts again? No one was ready. Do you guys remember the tenses? Present, past, past perfect, preterite, blah, 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 future, future, right? There is a tense called it's called present progressive no present progressive or present continuous okay which means something that is always happening presently 
It's not just something that's happening presently now. It's something that's happening presently now, and then tomorrow will be your present, and then the next day will be your present. It happens continuously, okay? Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Some of us experience that ruin, ruinness, right? But it says, instead, be present continuous, filled with the Holy Spirit. If we were to bring it into break it down this would literally read be being filled be which is now being continuous filled in other words again and again and again today and then tomorrow and then the next day it's always present the fullness of the holy spirit right be being filled with the holy spirit We need the Holy Spirit's power to live a holy life. Or is it just me? Does anybody need? I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit today. I'm going to need the fullness of the Holy Spirit tomorrow. Some of you really need it on a Monday. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I especially need it on Fridays. Because we're nonstop. Go, 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 right? Fullness produces fruit. I'm closing. We're about to pray. We're about to worship. We're about to do all that. But it'll have everybody's attention. Stop trying to produce the fruit without the fullness. It's very frustrating. It's very aggravating. It's very disappointing. Even depressing. Let's stop trying to produce the fruit without the fullness. Let's go after the fullness, and fruit will be the result. You can stand to your feet. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.